Womanjika, Hari Mai, welcome to the Voices of Regen podcast. My name is Matt Sykes and along with Claire Wilde, um, we're super excited to be creating this space for thought leaders, innovators, uh, entrepreneurs and creatives to be unapologetically bold in this transition uh, that we're going to towards a regenerative uh, economy. Today we've got uh, an amazing uh, topic focused on art-led place regeneration and we're really anchoring this conversation uh, in East Gippsland uh, and also some connections to, to Melbourne and the broader uh, Victorian region. Uh, so we have joining us Andrea Lane uh, from a project called Three, uh, Float 3909 uh, and also Lycan Kelp who is an artist that works a lot with uh, seaweed and in, in the climate space. Um, so I wanted to start off with a little bit of a story because it's roughly two years um, since uh, I took a trip down into East Gippsland and spent some time with Andrea and a number of creatives. Uh, and this was, to put it in context, this was only, you know, months after the Black Summer bushfires and, um, you know, uh, uh, an event that really shocked and um, and caused a lot of um, impact to Australia's eastern uh, east coast community, um, but also including in East Gippsland. And what was really clear at that point is that the artists and creatives were already organising and working together to explore how art could support the regeneration of place. Um, and, you know, none of us knew that uh, there was going to be a couple of months later COVID and this kind of continued incubation period. But I think what really stuck out there is that in walking around, speaking to the creatives, listening, seeing the projects, seeing the ideas, there was kind of like this seed bank uh, of creativity that was waiting uh, and being agitated uh, by this time. So super excited to explore this um, as we navigate through uh, the conversation today. So at that moment, I'm going to pass across to each of our, uh, our guests and just ask them to give a little brief introduction uh, about themselves, uh, who they are, and, and I guess uh, how they see their work being aligned to this broader uh, space of regeneration. So Andrea, I'm going to pass across to you first. Thanks. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Andrea Lane. Uh, I live in uh, Lake Tyres Beach uh, in East Gippsland. And I arrived in East Gippsland 22 years ago, um, telecommuting for Fairfax Media as a webmaster on dial-up. I'd like to add, you know, that um, it was um, a great chance to have a, a real job in a region where real jobs are um, a bit rare. So that was a great start for me. I came knowing nothing about the arts, but I came and married an artist. So I've since become immersed in that community and bring what I bring as a kind of journalist, I suppose, uh, to that conversation. And I also arrived with a degree in economics and I now probably call that uneconomics, which I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit more about as we go along, but I suppose that's been the revelation for me over the last 40 years. And yeah, I think a bit of old age makes you a bit braver in this field as well. You're not at the mercy of so much um, uh, political kind of influences say what you think and and know that you can survive most projects that you dream up so um yeah i'm i'm very happy to be talking about what we do here primarily at float float 
our floating art studio is the main thing that people know me for now. Brilliant. Thank you, Andrea. And passing across to you, Lycan. Hi, I'm Lycan Kelp and I'm an artist and curator. I started working with Andrea down at Float in 2019 after I um, proposed a sort of curator-led series of residencies, bringing down different artists with me to stay on Float for short visits to introduce them to the um, float artist residency program that Andrea was heavily involved with setting up and so that was a really amazing introduction to East Gippsland and Lake Tyres and the region. Um, my work sort of broadly has become more and more focused around bodies of water and um, becoming more closely interested in sort of regenerative program um, projects. So um, around the same time as I was visiting Float regularly in 2019, I set up the Seaweed Appreciation Society. And that was a way of gathering people together to discuss seaweed and um, sample it through food and practice sort of using it as an art material and a design sort of possibility. So that's been a really fantastic project and has kind of spanned across my work um, in Melbourne where I'm based and in East Gippsland where I'm visiting frequently. So yeah, and then there's kind of a whole spate of projects that have grown out of my work with Andrea and, um, you know, alongside of the Seaweed Appreciation Society. So I guess they're sort of the two, the two big ones that I'm concentrating on at the moment, but yeah, there's also a fair few more that we can get into later. So the, let's let's jump straight on to uh, or off float, uh, which um, I had the opportunity to visit. And essentially it's this, well, the way that I um, read it is it's like a floating artist studio that's set on the middle of this, you know, beautiful lake. Um, the rite of passage to, to get onto the pontoon, is, it feels like a rite of passage because you have to literally um, sit yourself down into a little dinging and then with a rope system pull yourself a, across um I don't know if that's changed since but I remember that being a, a fun a thing and then when you get across there then you've kind of got this um you know in independent self-contained type system where you've got creative space you've got a little kitchenette there you've got a bathroom there um you know you've got a lounge uh, and a beautiful deck um, that interfaces with the the lake so I'm, I'm curious, just maybe as a, a little um, snapshot, like in your experience uh, on floats, how did you see, you know, your role, your time there being connected to regeneration and regeneration for East Gippsland? So the idea with that series of residencies was to, um, as I said before, introduce people to the lake itself and um, kind of gently suggest to people that they respond to the immediate environment and the weather systems. And yeah, it's just been such an incredible experience getting to know that lake better over the years since I first started. Um, watching things like, you know, the lake levels were just dropping lower and lower in that first year as the drought was hitting. Um, and the lake was really suffering. And then I was there during the bushfire um, season as it was sort of 
starting up a bit further afield and so the lake itself was kind of choked with smoke and um, the bird life was really suffering and there was you know fish floating on the on the water it was quite devastating um, but then since seeing you know from afar from lockdown feeling great FOMO watching <laughs> over you know Facebook videos and different snippets from the float art group seeing the rains come and the lake eventually sort of burst through to the ocean was this really kind of satisfying you know regeneration of the lake system itself and so I guess you know Andrea and I and the main um, lead artist for float who's Josephine Jacoby we're all very interested in this idea of kind of close observation of the lake system um, and it connects with another project run by Jess Reeves called Living Banyanda, which is about sort of citizen science um, data collection. So locals gathering information and observations through photography and journal entries and writings and different means to record the changes that the lake are going through on a sort of daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, and then sort of feeding that back into science data gathering. And so, um, this year we're working on a project called the Observatorium, which Andrew and I are um, curating for, and Josephine Jacoby will be the main artist on that. And then we're bringing in more artists to contribute to a publication and exhibitions and um, public workshops and things like that. So sharing their observations of the lake as they stay on float. And so I guess in terms of regeneration, it's like a sort of soft entry for people who maybe don't know the lake system that well or for locals who live alongside it to become sort of active in their engagement with that body of water. Yeah, I think there's something really clear that's coming through to some of the, the lessons from First Nations elders um, that I have gathered over the years and that power of deep listening and it's and it's it's not listening just in the kind of audio sense. It's more about really sensing into observing and being connected to a place. And then from that connection, that of that power of awareness, then you're able to, you know, act in a way that responds to what's going on, whether that's adaptation or whether that's actively, you know, um, supporting specific regeneration of particular areas. So yeah, it's really great. And I, and I think um, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, climate change, climate impacts a little bit more, but also some of the images that you're painting there. The, the lake is such a clear mirror for what's going on in the broader, you know, ecosystem um, and the region. Uh, Andrea, passing across to you, just, uh, I guess, you engage and collaborate with and facilitate interactions between lots of different artists, including First Nations uh, artists, down there in East Gippsland on Gunai Kurnai country. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, how you see um, just, and maybe through one example, how you see the role of, of um, art and the uniqueness of the way that that manifests in East, East Gippsland, how regeneration through art is unique in East Gippsland as opposed to Melbourne or Tasmania or Wellington where, uh, Claire is joining us at the moment. 
Uh, my, my brain always goes in so many directions. Every time I get asked a question, that I, I feel like there's a million responses and I can't even address them all. But um, I suppose I'd, I just wanted to, to add that float is the culmination of already, just in my terms, you know, 15 years, I suppose, of living on Lake Tyres and, and that, that just can't be underestimated, particularly in terms of policy making for the role of arts in, in these conversations, because we've just descended into a world of short-term projects, you know, get the grant in, be in the lottery, maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. Uh, and then you've got to spend all this time reporting and acquitting. And when the reality is we started with the fruit project all that time ago, we built a fruit cart and traveled around um, uh, East Gippsland serving fritters inspired by some artists that we, we knew of who were doing something a bit similar in New South Wales. And the connections that we made through that journey is what keeps us still going now and gives people faith in what we're doing, that we're, we're not here for the short term and that Josephine Jacoby will tell you, I guess we're trying to convince everyone that art is life, you know, and, and that people have a perception that it's just going to a gallery or a one-off project that has a whiz-bang festival outcome or something like that. And in fact, we have just kind of made this evolved into something that just consumes our life and for me Josephine Jacoby as Lycan suggested um, has the knowledge she's like about fourth or fifth generation um, Lake Tyres woman um, and we have the Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust here on, on the other side of the lake. Blawak um, have recently formed to be partnering with Parks Victoria to be the managers of this whole area so you don't build those relationships overnight because you want to go in and do a project and get a letter of support. But, and we made loads of mistakes along the way, you know, like it, it's not an easy thing, but I think we've come a long way. And um, I'm probably not even answering the question now, but I just know that Jess, Jess Reeves, who we talked about doing Living Banyanda, coming in as head uni, um, just gave us so much more capacity to navigate through all the complexities of those relationships. You, it's really hard to do it as a, a solo individual without um, a network of support that are there backing you the, the whole way. Um, so along the way of all of that, I learned a lot about nature and environmentalists. We, we certainly went to Malakuta, we went to Goongra. You know, the friends I made in Goongra still inform me every day in understanding what the problems are out here. Um, and, and I have some really good friends there and I'm really glad we're all still connected and working towards something like Emerald Link, you know, something that can potentially save this little patch of East Gippsland and that will contribute to that by mainstreaming our conversation. So I always say I'm a real lay person. I don't know the science, I don't know the technicalities, I'm not the best person to speak about climate change. I just know what's right. <laughs> and I know we can make that conversation much more every day by being an everyday connection for people. Everyone loves the lake. We just have to shift the conversation a little bit towards protecting it and valuing it. Um, we don't always win that argument either, but um, I think there is a momentum that values um, those things and probably sadly it's a little bit to do with the economics you know I suppose East Gippsland aspires to be a great destination and we just want to help make sure that the right 
travellers come to East Gippsland who want to be part of our school of untourism, which is much more about connecting with the, the region, having those conversations and introducing them to the people that we've met along the way. And so having artists like Lycan come and all the people that she brings who come from Melbourne to experience East Gippsland that would never have come here otherwise become our greatest spokespeople um, because they're going back and saying, wow, if you've never been to East Gippsland, you need to come and learn about this. So, I, you know, all of that helps. Um, every bit of local knowledge informs everything we do. Um, and yeah, so I think that's our philosophy, but to know that we work 24 seven, you know, but it's not a, a nine to five job and it's not a, a three month project, it's, it's life. Yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful framing. And I think my interpretation of what you're saying there is that that relationships really underpin, you know, that art led regeneration in, in East Gippsland. I mean, of course, that's, that's similar everywhere, but the specific, you know, relationships that you you're talking about there, like you're talking about, you know, the lake um, and the lake system itself that are so iconic to East Gippsland, the Gippsland Lakes, the Goongaroo, which is kind of further up in um, a more forested area and a really strong um, environmental community there. There's all of these different touch points. And I think, uh, you know, to use a metaphor, it's kind of like, um, like the, uh, the soil or the, the fungi that kind of cultivates that soil and creates the conditions for regeneration. And uh, I'm interested to pick up on the economics comment because I think that's that's one that we'd love to explore and potentially the, the role of collaboration between art and business in those connections um, to, to place as well. But I'm gonna pass across to Claire who's gonna guide us through um, uh, deeper into this conversation. Yeah, kia ora. Um, thank you so much, Andrea and Lycan. It's been really cool um, to hear, you know, to, to learn more about your work with Float. And, you know, I'm all the way over here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I'm thinking how awesome it would be if I could just pop over and take a visit because it sounds like a beautiful place. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, the, the work specifically that you're doing with Float and particularly um, taking the artist lens and, you know, what that means for regeneration and, um, you know, climate action and all that kind of thing. I'd love to sort of zoom out and look at the broader climate action movement more generally and understand a little bit more about the role that you play and the role that artists and float can play in this broader climate movement. Um, I think we've touched on this a little bit already. Um, Andrew, you know, you know your references um, to partnerships and you know saying that you're an artist um, you're not a climate scientist but that's you know being an artist is equally an important role um, to play in that sort of broader climate movement alongside that and also and also lichen you know those um those comments you were making around being connected and you know observing the lake system for example through you know droughts and bushfires and helping people to connect to the land um, and the environment around them through that way um, I'd really just love, love to hear from you, you know, more about the links between your work and climate action. Andrea, I might throw to you first. Um, yeah, look, I, I was just going to add that um, I've recently got a, a part-time job here in East Gippsland. My first job since I moved here 20 years ago, working for the um, 
Gippsland Community Power Hub, which is auspiced by um, Gippsland Climate Change Network. So even that's just a constant learning exercise for me, you know, so I'm surrounded by the experts, by the scientists. But the reason they've employed me is because of the work we've been doing across the region in connecting people and normalising the language. And I, I take that as the greatest compliment um, in what we're doing, because I certainly arrived here not knowing anything about the arts. And, and if you just can become consumed by it and, and dedicate your life to it, then you, you start to know what you're talking about. And I'm doing the same, I guess, in climate change. And I guess I, ought, I think the reason they employed me was because I said, I'm the layperson. If it's going over my head and I'm glazing over about you know the solar panels that we have to encourage people to get put on their roofs, it's not my scene, you know, I don't, I can't really talk that language, but I'm surrounded by the people who can. But what we've just commissioned is um, an artist, the best photographer in East Gippsland, Rachel Mounsey from Malakuta, who did a lot of the bushfire coverage. You, you might have seen her work. Um, and she's going to do a, a photo series across Gippsland of the people who have led this conversation of um, the regeneration of Gippsland, you know, as the standout movers and shakers. So for me, that will tell an amazing story. Um, and I feel really chuffed to have been part of chipping away at getting people to know it's not just the instant response to putting the panels on one roof. It's actually changing the language of everyone. And I think that will be a great example of the kind of collaborate. And I'm the same with social enterprise too. I'll say that um, I'm part of the Gippsland Social Enterprise Collective because I think that's the future as well. We don't need profiteering and we do need tourism to be considered part of social enterprise. And there's some amazing things going on in that field too. So um, very much not just about the art, but just using it as the lead and telling councils and local government. I have to say Regionalised Victoria and Creative Victoria have been fantastic. From day one, they've supported what we've been doing. So I think they're looking for more people to, to look at this model of engagement um, maybe not working 24-7, but it has been a standout support for people that didn't really know what they were doing when they were started. We didn't have a business plan. We followed our instincts and responded to every conversation that we've had along the way. And as you can probably tell, it's just filtering through the conversation. So that's very exciting. I never know if I answered the question, sorry, but um, you know, that, that's my connection to climate change is working for the Gippsland Climate Change Network now. And I think they're all the gurus that know the, the, the real stories. And I hope I translate that into a more generally understood and engaging concept. Andrea, I think that was a brilliant answer. I really loved hearing about, um, you know, the, the way that you've approached your different roles in different areas of expertise so you know as you said um being you know really good at one thing because you've done it for a, for a long time and I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that and also understanding those other things that you need to know about even though you don't need to be an expert so you know talking about being involved in the community power hub um you know being part of the social enterprise collective all of these things I think that's such an important um consideration for our listeners you know thinking about what what regeneration means to them and what role they can play. Sort of thinking about where do I need to be an expert? Where do I need to know some stuff? And perhaps where can I partner to gather that, um, you know, that, that ability or that capability from other people who are experts in different things. Sort of thinking more about your role 
um, in you know this this broader climate movement, thinking about adaptation, environmental advocacy. Like, and are there any thoughts that are springing to your mind around the role that you play in that? Uh, just that I really resonate with what you were saying, Claire and Andrea, about um, yeah, just I guess sort of broadly speaking, the role that art can bring to um, climate change discussions and. Um, in my sort of experience pre-bushfire, more and more artists were kind of investigating, doing sort of deep self-investigative work on their own art practice. And it felt to me like they were realigning it along um, climate change sort of lines to, to give their work and their sort of their own practice and their own journey more meaning. And so then that got really fast-tracked I think with the bushfire and the extreme sort of solastasia or climate depression that that potentially brought on um, and in my work with Seaweed Appreciation Society I just you know have recognized that that feeling of doing um, anything sort of playful experimentation connecting with scientists connecting with the public um, it just really helps fight those feelings of solastasia that you're contributing, that you're creating communities. Um, and, you know, similar to the work that I'm doing down in Float and that sort of meaningful community is so aligned with the, um, you know, that it's so interconnected with the climate change work and super important to have I guess, like-minded people or people that are willing to, you know, come to the conversation around these topics because it's all, you know, quite scary to do it alone and to face these huge issues alone. So, yeah. Like, and I think those concepts of using art as a method of communication and, you know, bringing people along the journey, I think is something that, is getting talked about more and more and that more and more people are really recognizing the value of. I'd love to hear if you have any examples of, you know, where you've seen that in action. Yeah, sure. So uh, one project that I've done in conjunction with Float was a kayak orchestra. So Matt, you mentioned before that um, when you visited Float, you came over in a dinghy on a rope system. And because the lake levels were rising around Float or beneath Float, um that system got swapped out to kayaks because the the dinghy and the rope were getting um flooded out so now when people visit float they make their way over in kayaks sometimes pulling an extra kayak with their gear in it and that whole process just led to a real love of kayaking for me and being you know even further out on the water um, and initiated this project called kayak orchestra which was a sort of deep immersive um listening project with two musicians Dylan Martorell and Jana Quill so Jana Quill created a um experimental electronic soundtrack based on her stay on the float where she'd recorded sounds and um processed them and then Dylan created instruments that pulled behind the kayaks and for Open House Melbourne in March of last year we held two performances of it where we had audiences of like 25 people or so and so the kayaks were sonified some of them and the other ones were pulling these kind of kinetic DIY instruments that Dylan had made 
and creating these very gentle sort of spatial soundscapes that allowed for the sounds of the lake as well. So there was like jumping mullets splashing around and bird life sounds in amongst this um, sort of meditative soundtrack. And people just ended up kind of drifting. Nobody was really interested in hardcore kayaking while they were doing it. It became this very kind of relaxation, close listening um, experience that gave people, yeah, a, a temporal but deeply meaningful connection to that body of water. So that's one of my favorite examples, I would say. I love that example. That's so cool. Um, recently, I, I can really resonate with that idea of being so at peace um, in a kayak. Recently, just the other week, um, I was in a place called Kaiteri Terry in Aotearoa, um, which is sort of up towards Abel Tasman National Park. And um, I was out on a kayak there and just that that feeling of, you know, sort of almost sitting at water level and being really immersed in the nature around you was such a um, peaceful and beautiful experience. I think that's that's a really cool example. And it sounds so amazing creating that soundscape and things like that. Yeah. And I think in these times, there's a real sort of need for some of our art to be kind of gentle and healing in those ways. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And then I guess another example is, one of the things that got me really interested in seaweed was doing regular artist trips to dive with the giant cuttlefish in Wyala in South Australia. And they're really incredible sort of psychedelic creatures that meet en masse in like hundreds of thousands at this one time of year. And so it's quite incredible um, snorkeling or diving experience to go out and see them and they put on these displays. But that um, kind of deep obsession with these cuttlefish led me to realise that their habitats, the sort of seaweed forests that they live amongst on their journey to this area were heavily endangered. And so it, I guess, you know, similar to sort of a bird watcher or something, loving birds, but not being aware that the forest was dying around these birds, it made me hypersensitive to the, the plight of the kelp forest. And then at the same time, reading a lot of really positive stories of hope around kelp farming and the, um, the great stories of regenerative possibilities for kelp because it grows so quickly. Um, and with sort of management of the spiny sea urchins that decimate kelp populations. Um, and so there's a fair bit of work that's being done around that now but um, yeah, I'm looking to sort of try and do more research and meet more people who are starting up seaweed farms and kind of collate those stories to share with people in the next six months or so. Yeah, awesome. We've talked a lot about, you know, the brilliant work um, that the two of you have been doing and, you know, what that means in the context of, you know, both, both the local ecosystem and also further afield. I'd love to hear um, what's next for you. You know, what, what's sort of on the horizon? Andrew, we might jump back to you. Um, yeah, well, um, I'll, let me look at my list of things. Well, I guess one of the things we're doing at the moment, probably the most exciting thing is we're focusing on uh, a partnership with Up the Creek, uh, who are a kayak business based in Melbourne. Um, which is really exciting because the guy who's behind that business 
first heard me speak at Fruitville maybe 10 years ago and, and was really inspired about being working outside the system and a bit, you know, following your gut feel a little bit. Anyway, he, he's doing these tours down in Melbourne. We're trying now to form a partnership to bring him to Lake Tyres to, to do the same thing. Uh, and he'll rely on all this knowledge that we've gathered over the years to actually um, make that a viable thing. And that starts to really bolster our argument that there is an economic value in good people who, who want to share knowledge, tell stories beyond just us. You know, the, the, locals, the locals don't get much of, of a hearing when it comes to big project ideas. You always have to kind of bring in a, a voice with a little more authority than, than the locals who know instinctively what's good. So um, having up the creek here is, is fantastic. We're actually meeting tomorrow to, to take that another step to find the, the staff to do that um, and develop the plan. So for me, that's like the first step in the school of untourism really starting to manifest as a viable social enterprise because um, just brings so much more resources, so much more capacity to actually work with people, train them up. We can work with Gallon, which is the local learning and employment network, who are screaming out for kids to find ways to engage with nature, be creative, because all of those subjects are off the curriculum. If you go through the system, you learn the STEM subjects, you know. So I know that that organisation is looking to us to provide that alternative for kids that just aren't in that zone, you know, so um, I think that's a really, this is potentially a really pivotal kind of thing. And that what we really need, and while I'm, I'm going to talk more to, to Matt about this, is that um, along the lines of a river keeper, which has inspired us ever since we heard from Australian Earth Laws about, um, you know, the assigning personhood to the, to the lake, we've aspired to having a lake keeper, um, which at the moment is, Josephine Jacoby by default, because she does have exactly the right credentials for it. But we need an apprentice for that. And we think that's something to do with a residency, a very long-term residency, where you, you spend a year with us to learn that knowledge and also be the, the carer for the float vessel. You know, that's a big responsibility we've had for six years now. It's very low maintenance and we are absolutely committed to making no negative impact on the lake. So, you know, all the grey water, black water, toilets, all those things need to be kept completely well managed. And so we're looking for people who have that love for what we're doing, who, who may want to collaborate with us in some way to bring that Lakekeeper role um, to Lake Tyres. And so it's kind of exciting because Up the Creek is also working with the Riverkeeper and they're working with the NGV as we did. You know, I will say that our breakthrough moment last year was thanks to Lycan doing the work that she did with the NGV because suddenly Melbourne took notice of what we were doing and if we hadn't have been able to bring them down for a week and show us off in our best light with the best art and all the councillors and everyone taking notice of what we were doing we'd probably still be you know having some fun on the lake but actually you know we're taking it to a new level and um, that's that's been really important in bringing all of this to the next level. And so School of Untourism, I will just say, was inspired by a UK project that's very philosophically the same, just being able to be good, learning to be good hosts by interacting with your guests and the guests coming down to learn from the locals 
how to be good travellers. Um, but we know we need to actually make that a little bit more economically sound so that there is a financial transaction, but it's not what makes the, the relationship awkward. You know, the, there's something that artists keep missing out on in the economic equation, and we're looking for the solution to that, I suppose. Andrew, you've just highlighted two really important points that I think is so common across um, the regenerative business world. And the first one is partnerships. Um, you talked about, you know, the partnership have, that you have with the NGV um, for our international listeners. That's the National Gallery of Victoria. Um, and, you know, the, the benefits that you've been able to create for both sides of that partnership. Um, and also, you know, what you've learned um, from organizations in the UK in terms of all the untourism work that you're doing. Um, and, you know, I, I think partnerships are a theme that come up again and again and again when we're talking about regeneration, because, you know, regeneration isn't about one person or one organization perfecting one thing in a silo. It's about changing the system and changing the way that, you know, the world operates and partnerships are such a core part of making sure that we all move in the same direction together. The other point um, that you raised, which I think is really interesting, is this idea of financial stability or financial resilience. And, you know, particularly in the art sector, we're seeing such a challenge around that and, you know, finding ways um, to, you know, turn really great ideas into something that can, um, you know, be financially resilient in the long term. Because, um, you know, we, we might not be here to sort of climb up the capitalist ladder, but we are certainly here to keep putting food on the table. And so I think it's something that's easily forgotten in conversations when we're talking about doing good. And it's something that's really important. Like, and I might throw to you just to add any other additional, um, you know, points for, that are coming up in the pipeline in your world. Um, so yeah, School of Untourism, as Andrea mentioned, is a really great project that's grown out of um, our, um, collaboration with Float and then branching out from that a sort of more Melbourne-based project that I'm just about to start is called Beyond Human Travel Agency which is connecting humans with the more than human world whether it's in our own backyard or down as far as East Gippsland or across Victoria so um, eventually kind of working towards becoming um, a bit of a non-traditional travel agency, a future forward-thinking kind of travel agency of what travel, you know, looks like in a sort of post-travel world where it's no longer really viable to be travelling huge distances um, in, you know, petrol-fueled cars or um, travelling across the world in aeroplanes when we can help it. And um, so I've got a a project for Open House Melbourne, their program this year is called Open Nature. And so I'm doing a bird what a bird walk, bird watching walk um, for that, which is called Twitching the Inner City around Royal Park with a um, avid bird watcher and photographer called Scott Baker. So that's coming up March the 18th. Um, and then I'm doing a program called Mulch, which is a live art event at M Pavilion um, with musicians and performers who also have gardening practices. So um, sort of continuing on the ecological theme around my own personal interest in, I only have a little mega courtyard garden, but um, still love 
gardening where I can and sort of greening the city. So um, that's April 23rd, Saturday, April 23rd at 3pm at M Pavilion. Awesome, like, and it's really cool to hear all those things that you have coming up, um, you know, with the School of Untourism, Open Nature and Mulch. Um, we'll make sure to share links to those events when this podcast goes live so our listeners can um, make sure they sort of follow them and head along if they're able to. Great. And then looping back to East Gippsland, the East Gippsland Winterfest in June. And so this observatorium project that I mentioned before, um, getting artists down to float to do residencies, we'll be working towards some outcomes for the Winter Festival, including Josephine Jacoby's doing a flutter tent, um, telling stories of the lake inside a, um, a lit up, handmade, hand stitched and embroidered calico tent, which will attract moths and create sort of shadow play of moths at night, which will be beautiful. Um, and then as part of the observatorium, which is a two year project, we're also working towards a walking festival. So hopefully we'll have a couple of walks lined up for the East Gippsland Winter Festival and then more of a self-contained festival further down the track. Okay, this is giving me some serious FOMO. Being in <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to. I'll hand back to Matt now um, to fire off some final questions and then wrap us up. Yeah, I'm going to make you really jealous now, Claire, when I say that I'm heading down to East Gippsland in the, in the next couple of um, <laughs> weeks. So it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's just such a, a hotbed of, uh, of creativity, you know, uh, uh, to uh, intentionally use an uncomfortable word of a of a creative cluster. I think um, we've we've had some so many of these clusters and things popping <clears throat> up and seen it in. You know, we've had to manage it from kind of a negative reactive. But I love the power of um, these creative clusters as uh, as something that can actually start to. Um, I guess be forces of healing. That's what one of the things that I really see um, coming out in, in this. And where it really landed for me in this conversation was when we started talking about the relationship between art and business or perhaps the vehicle of, of tourism, because I think this is uh, this is one of the great examples of what I see in East Gippsland is these, these conversations between creatives, um, but also entrepreneurs. And I love the example of Up the Creek, um, you know, a Melbourne-based operator. I, I actually ran into one of um, their uh, staff members, a junior staff member, a young guy um, at a Yarra River Keeper uh, event, and he just started. And he was kind of talking about what he was doing, and um, I can I can see the opportunity that was creating for this guy, but I'm also thinking about the opportunities for young people in East Gippsland region that these type of partnerships might create. Um, totally love the idea of the the lake keeper um, would would love to be able to support conversations around that um, however regeneration projects can um, and I think I think something that's very real in, in the climate conversations in aftermath of the bushfires is this you know real challenge of of anxiety that people feel uh, and that feeling of overwhelm and frustration but 
I guess what I'm hearing is the role of creative process, practice and, and action through different vehicles, whether it be listening, whether it's a tour or an experience, but that being empowering and actually people give people a sense of agency that they can be part of giving back to places. Um, and I think when we are rewriting the script of all of business in this, in this new uh, era, but in, in particular tourism, that we try and find ways that is a reciprocal relationship with places that we give back more than we take and we don't just leave places a little bit less bad. You know, that's not, that's not okay. It doesn't actually solve the challenges that we've got. Um, and I think, you know, each of you in your own ways just paint such an inspiring picture and an example. And you are prolific, um, which is quite, quite remarkable. But I'm just going to uh, create that space for one more moment. Um, perhaps you have a, a message um, because we are talking about uh, East Gippsland. Perhaps it's more for Melbourne-based listeners. But Andrea, is there a message that you've got, an invitation perhaps to Melbourne-based professionals, creatives, um, travellers, experience seekers, what, what would you offer up? I, I suppose uh, we had a, a big fora um, late last year and the people that came to that astounded me. You, you know, it started off as a dinner conversation and the people that came were the director of the Trobe Regional Gallery, the CEO of Regional Arts Victoria, Matt Falert, the head of CEO of ACRE. Everybody wants to help us get this next step because there's not... Um, the capacity locally so um, we as Larkin said we do have two years of Creative Victoria funding to deliver the observatorium project yay Creative Victoria we've got three years of funding from Regional Arts Victoria a smaller amount but it gives us some capacity to say we can stay in this conversation but it doesn't give us the power to take the, the next giant step but we are planning a series of these for us and they'll become more and more refined and constructive as as they um, go along. We've got another one planned tomorrow, actually, but I'll also plan for one over Easter. So I guess perhaps watch the School of Untourism website. We will put up the information about that. And we'd love anyone who's turned on by this conversation to come and say, um, yeah, this is what we're looking for. And um, this is what the world needs really. So um, I'll, I'll just put those dates up when we've got a firmer date. Awesome. And like, and what's your shout out to other Melbourne uh, people that uh, you you know you you've experienced it. It gets under your skin once you're connected to the East Gippsland region. What's your shout out? Uh, just come down whenever you can and and see the place for yourself. See these amazing bodies of waters and landscapes, and meet the people that we've been talking about. Whether it's through the East Gippsland Winter Festival or Fora, or um, Float has a little bit of an extended waiting list at the moment because of the backlog from anthropause as I've heard it called um, but yeah nonetheless apply apply for 2023 um, and yeah shoot us an email or dm us on instagram and just yeah get involved in the conversation awesome awesome well look I'm super excited to get down to East Gippsland in the next couple of weeks it's actually for uh, another project which is an, you know it's an example of a a, a tourism business which is exploring how it can support ecosystem restoration and well-being in the region which is Meetung Hot Springs um, and uh, I, I know that there's already been collaborations there through 
the Melbourne uh, Design, I think it was Melbourne Design Week, which was, I think it was last year that there was some conversation. So yeah, curious to explore um, and just reconnect with the region. I haven't been down there for a while, but it feels like there's lots of good things coming up in 2022 and beyond. So thanks everyone. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time and creating the space. And for all, all of our listeners, I think it's a clear message, get down to East Gippsland uh, and regardless of where you are, um, to be able to support uh, art-led place regeneration and explore collaborative relationships and, and partnerships. So if you're more in the business space, then maybe look towards your local creatives and see how you can start to uh, communicate some of those complex messages around uh, climate uh, and this tricky time that we're navigating through. But for now, thank you. And we look forward to seeing you soon or, uh, or speaking with you soon uh, on the Voices of Regen podcast. All the best.